Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, February 22nd, and we're talking about tech stocks in disguise. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Brian Faroldi on Skype. Brian, what's up? Hey, Dylan. The last time we talked together was right before the Super Bowl, and you were dissing me about being a Patriots fan. So I just wanted to say on the show, thank you. Your negative juju helped us win. <laughs> you know, uh, your memory is better than mine. I had I, kind of maybe shielded myself from that because it was, it was a little too scarring for me. I bet. I bet. It must be terrible <laughs> to be a Jets fan all the time. The best time to be a Jets fan is the offseason, unfortunately. And so that's where we are. So I'm living large right now. I'm also I'm also I'm living large too because we have Austin Morgan back in the studio helping us out. Nice to know that he recovered well from his surgery and is back with us at HQ. Um, Brian, today we are going to be talking about kind of a fun topic. This is something that you and I were bouncing around on Slack uh, earlier in the week and thought it would make for a great show, and that is tech stocks in disguise. The idea that maybe some companies that are out there that people think of as CG companies or industrial companies. Are really more tech operators than they realize. Yeah, tech is a you know tech drives so that you would think are in one sector, but the tech has basically been blurred across so many different sectors that there are some companies that uh, rely on some proprietary technology to really drive the results. So it's kind of unfair to classify them as a non-tech investment. Yeah, I guess we're just going to have to be a little bit more fluid in how we look at our sectors and realize that tech's kind of creeping into everything. I think that's 100% right. <laughs> All right, why don't we kick things off with Proto Labs? Admittedly, not a company I'm super familiar with. And I think it's because I've kind of written it off in the past and looked at it as this industrial manufacturing business that I couldn't quite understand. Yeah, Proto Labs is a uh, a quick turn parts manufacturer. So if you are a designer and you want to make a physical part out of like plastic or metal or something like that, you can hire Proto Labs to make a prototype for you. So you give them the design, and in a couple of days or weeks, they will send you back a physical part. And on the surface, you would assume that they were basically just a low volume contract manufacturer and a prototyping company, which uh, that does appear how it looks. Um, however, what makes this company a hidden tech company, uh, a hidden tech um, in disguise, is that the real secret to Protolab's success is that it owns this proprietary software that aids in the design, the quoting, and the pricing of, of tech parts that are uploaded. For example, if you, if a uh, designer creates a part that they want to have uh, made out of plastic or metal, they upload it to Protolab's computers. And Protolab's software then goes to work to analyze the, the, the part, and it actually makes suggestions back to the designer on ways that the part can be manufactured easier and cheaper. And it also provides them with a quote within a matter of hours to say, this is how much we believe we can make this, this, uh, this part for. That stands in stark contrast to most contract manufacturers because when they get a quote, they have to manually go through and look at it and actually decide how much they want to charge for that. And that process, just the quoting process with, uh, with traditional manufacturers, can take weeks. So the fact that Proto Labs has automated the process and can get quote and feedback to designers in a matter of hours gives them an incredible competitive advantage. I love it when the company's name immediately becomes clear based on what they do. Proto Labs, prototypes, totally makes sense to me, Brian. 
Yeah, they try to make it obvious. <laughs> and, and what should folks look for in this business? I'm an outsider, so I don't know it super well. What are some of the key metrics people should be watching? Sure. Uh, the traditional ones are, are worth p- paying attention to, which is revenue growth, profit growth. This business is scaling right nicely. It is growing at about 20% annualized. Uh, however, if you dig one level deeper, you'll they, they report this metric called the number of product developers that are served. So these are the number of prototypers and designers that are using their software and uploading and buying uh, products from them. So this figure will track uh, pretty consistently with revenue growth over time. So this is just like for like a SaaS business, the number of users that are on it. So as of the most recent um, uh, quarter, they had about 46,000 product developers that are you know uploading designs to them and buying from them. And this figure is growing at about 20% per year. So this is a, a key metric for, for investors to watch. So the gist of this company is basically they have used software to take something that would otherwise be incredibly onerous and tedious to do might even make scaling something very difficult and instead turned it into a pretty significant competitive advantage. Yeah, that's correct. And and what their real advantage is is their software allows them to be much faster than 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 traditional manufacturers. You know, you have the manufacturers on the high end that do very high volume uh, production, and then there's a lot of mom and pop shops that do very low that low um, low low volume production that of a kind of specialized part. Proto Labs is kind of in the middle of those two, where they can offer extremely fast turnaround on parts, and that really matters in today's economy, where you know speed to market is everything. When you consider that a lot of parts have to go back and forth multiple times to get iterations right before it can be mass produced, working with Proto Labs become, gives, gives um, a designers a huge competitive advantage because it greatly speeds up the design process. All right, Brian, name number two we're going to be talking about with tech stocks in disguise is one that we both know. It's actually one that we both own, and that's Axon. And this is a company that people may not know by its current name, but they probably know by its former name, Taser. Yeah, Taser is a company that uh, I've known about for years, but honestly never interested me because I figured that they were just a manufacturer of tasers, which are used to um, a non-lethal uh, for non-lethal law enforcement. However, uh, when I dug into the details, it turns out that this is a tech company in disguise. <laughs> yeah, so they have the namesake or former namesake Taser business. And these are these stun gun-like devices, less lethal than traditional firearms. And that's really the company's bread and butter has been for a long time. Uh, it makes up about two-thirds of their revenue. And the overarching mission there is we want to make the bullet obsolete, which I think is a noble cause. Um, the other part of the business that's really interesting to me, and frankly, is what makes them a tech company, is the Axon body camera business. And so these are the body and in-car cameras that law enforcement uses while they're on duty. And the Axon devices collect footage, but crucially, the content is uploaded to evidence.com, which is the company's cloud storage segment, which, Brian, that, that gives us one of our favorite things, high-margin software revenue. And dependable recurring revenue, which you know I love. <laughs> yeah, they're wonderful things. Um, as a portion of overall sales, relatively small. In Q3, uh, the software segment was about $24 million, up 47% year-over-year. But you look at those margins, 74% gross margins, um, and that's up from 63% a year ago. So, we're seeing those margins expand over time, too. 
And the nice thing about that is as that business scales out, I think that margin number can continue to grow. But the exciting thing about Axon's business, uh, to my mind, is that Evidence.com is kind of the backbone of the entire operation because it integrates. uh, When when a police force signs on to Evidence.com and they upload their footage there and their body cameras are are going there, if a police force was to change that to a competing product, that would be an enormously onerous process. And because they're, because Axon gets their fingers in with the police force through Evidence.com and through Taser, it, it just creates this ecosystem that just becomes incredibly hard to leave. One of the other reasons I love this company, Brian, is there really isn't a competitor. You know, you look out at the landscape, uh, you know, the non-traditional firearm gun landscape and the body camera landscape. There isn't really another big company. In fact, they scooped up the other player in body cameras. So they kind of have monopolies on both of their main businesses, which is excellent. You mentioned the recurring revenue on the software side. They've also built a pretty novel recurring revenue model for their hardware business. About a third of their taser sales come through as recurring revenue payments as of the most recent quarter. They're kind of turning hardware into something that is as a service akin to something that you might see with like the wireless carriers giving people the have the latest iPhone, you know, and pay a certain set amount per month. Yeah, that's very attractive. And if this business was purely a hardware maker, I I would personally even even given their position, would, 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 would have no interest in it. Uh, it's really the software and evidence.com that ties everything together that I think makes this a much more predictable, uh, much higher quality business than I would otherwise assume. Yeah, and they've posted pretty solid growth over the last couple of years. What I love, though, is a year ago, management projected a three to five year CAGR of 16 to 20% revenue growth, and they projected expanding margins. We've seen some of that already. I mean, I just talked about how that was happening in the software segment. More recently, this last quarter, they reiterated that outlook. And I think a big reason for that is the fact that they have some pretty big hardware releases coming out in 2019. One of them is going to be the Taser 7, and one of them is the Axon Body 3, latest in those lines, giving people a reason to move up into some higher value contracts for Axon. Yeah, another another thing that I want I want to point out that I think is important is that when a police uh, uh, when a police force signs on to evidence.com, uh, one thing that Axon did that was very smart is they make the data shareable with other police forces that are also on evidence.com, so that data can be data and videos can be shared back and forth, which can make police work a little bit easier. That creates a kind of a network effect that again locks police forces in even more to the Axon business. So this this business is fantastic. All right, Brian, the last one that we're going to talk about today, I think is undeniably the one that people are most familiar with. I know that I am intimately familiar with it. I actually ordered from it last weekend. Uh, We're talking about Domino's Pizza here to wrap things up. Yeah, this is probably the the one that's going to have tech listeners really scratching their head as to what the heck we are doing talking about this on Friday's Tech Issue. Uh, however, I mean, everybody knows that Domino's is a pizza company. It's actually the world's largest pizza chain by sales. They have about 16,000 stores spread throughout the world with about uh, 6,000 of those in the U.S. and 10,000 international. And the reason that I thought it was important to highlight this as a tech stock in disguise is that this company has hugely invested in its tech capabilities over the last couple of years, and they have made tremendous progress with becoming a tech company. And one number that I think just screams that to me is that 65% of this company's sales in the U.S. 
come through digital channels. So that's the website or the app. I mean, that is huge. Yeah, you look at this company over the last couple of years, and they have done such an incredible job of finding literally any way to be a point of contact with consumers. Some of them have been totally ridiculous, you know, where you, if you tweet at Domino's, you know, and you have a saved order, they will kick it to you and, you know, they will charge you for it if you have that set up. Some of them are much more simple and what people expect with e-commerce and that's kind of the standard app experience or standard mobile ordering or ordering online. It doesn't matter though. They are trying everything. They're kind of throwing it all at the wall and seeing what resonates with people. I think that kind of innovation is what has led to a huge rise in stock price for this company. Yeah, this this company has just produced monster returns for shareholders. And another another thing that they're trying is they recently launched a voice ordering application that they're calling Dom. So you can just order pizza by by talking to your like Alexa device. So this company is heavily focused on making ordering and doing business with them as simple as possible. And they currently have 20 million active users of their app and site. And that just makes it very simple for this company to send out, send out, hey, how about you order Domino's pizzas tonight and customer and make it so easy for customers that it's just driving huge re- revenue and profit growth for them. Yeah, that that active user base is incredible. I think most restaurants would kill to have a fraction of that. You know, for them to be at 20 million plus is just unbelievable. Uh, all, all told, it has really meant that they have gained share in their core market. They have gone from being a, a solid player in pizza to being pretty much the main player in fast pizza. Yeah, to put some numbers on that, their market share was about 10% in 2008. Uh, today, it's about 18%. And their, and their, their international uh, business, uh, which is the sizable one, has put up 100 quarters in a row of same-store sales growth. That is just an unbelievable track record. And the story is very good in the U.S. too. It's been 31 quarters in a row of consistent same-store sales growth. And a big reason why is because of their commitment to investing in their technology to make it as easy and convenient as possible to order their products. I think big picture with all three of these companies, and, and this is not a comprehensive list of tech adjacent companies or companies that are kind of tech. You know, these are just three that we wanted to highlight. You look out into any industry and you see companies that are on the cutting edge of whether it's reaching customers with tech or streamlining operations with tech or pivoting a traditionally hardware model and making it a services model via tech. That's where a lot of the money is going to be made. Yeah, and that and that that reoccurring revenue, as we both know, is highly attractive for investors. So companies that can take their their that can invest in themselves can really separate themselves from the competition, especially when they're competing against a lot of mom and pop chains like say Domino's and Proto Labs are. They can afford to make the investments to make themselves a tech first company, and that can really separate them and give them a huge competitive advantage. You know, Brian, I don't know if you have any tattoos. But if you were to get one, I assume it would be a heart with recurring revenue dead in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that is what I'm going to go for, yes. Yeah, you know, if you ever feel like it, I'm just saying, it it seems to align with your personality and your investing tastes. Uh, Thanks for hopping on today's show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dylan. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. As always, if you have questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or catch video extras on YouTube. Remember, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. 
Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. We're so glad to have him back. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on. Oh, sorry. I, I moved around the order of the wrap up and I feel like Ron Burgundy. It's like if you put it there, I'm going to say it. Uh,